Welcome to Hot Topics in Kidney Health, brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation. Each episode, we highlight the latest in kidney research, bring you up-to-date news in kidney care, dispel myths, and answer your kidney health questions. Keeping your body and bones strong are important when you have kidney disease. Do you know what types of exercise are good for kidney patients? What about for transplant recipients or people on dialysis? In this episode, we sat down with experts to discuss the benefits and recommendations of managing an exercise routine. Welcome, everybody. My name is Wilson Dew, a.k.a. The Renal Warrior. I'm over in Alameda, California, right by San Francisco. I've been a kidney patient for about six years, on dialysis for about five and a half years, was recently transplanted in March of 2022. Through that journey of dialysis, I will tell you that I've grown stronger, better in every way possible. I've lost over 120 pounds. I now try to train as much as I can and uh, compete in various uh, physical activities uh, while on dialysis. And uh, I'm excited to do this podcast. And, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about exercise today. We got just the perfect person to talk to you about it. So if you can introduce yourself. Sure. My name is Brittany Glazer. I'm a clinical exercise physiologist at the University of Delaware. And I currently work in our renal rehabilitation program where we work with individuals in end-stage renal disease, peritoneal dialysis, hemodialysis, and we also have post-transplant patients as well. Uh, We have them come in two to three times a week to exercise with us to help them build that strength, prepare them for a transplant if they are still on the waiting list, and also to help them just maintain that strength after after the transplant and after they're cleared. So I'm happy to be here. All right. Thank you, Brittany. Um, I I think we worked together somewhat uh, maybe a couple of years ago during the pandemic. You had yes. some exercises, and I was yes. able to just try to do it as a patient back then. That that was pretty cool. You you're doing great work. So, thanks for that. You know, a lot of times, uh, as patients, just as the normal population, we always hear about exercise. You should exercise. You know, it's good to exercise. But always, the big question is really, you know, we we know the general benefits, but why should we exercise? Some of the specifics. Um, you know, as far as, especially for us as patients, um, how to exercise and want to get into that. So really just starting off with what are the actual benefits of exercise from your point? Absolutely. So great question. Um, it's definitely one of the main questions that we get when we have new patients starting with us um, or new patients that are interested in starting. Uh, it can be overwhelming and they're not quite sure what they're going to be thrown into. Um, So the the skeletal muscle system as a whole is going to be greatly benefited through exercise, as we know. Uh, Regular participation in aerobic and resistance training can increase bone density, uh, which is going to be important as we age to help prevent those early signs of osteopenia um, and ultimately osteoporosis. Um, So the more that we exercise, it can also help to increase strength and endurance, uh, which is ultimately going to help make activities of daily living easier things like walking up the stairs, uh, doing any activities around your house, gardening, um, just typical everyday things like that. It's also going to help to fight other diseases such as sarcopenia or muscle wasting, which is also more common as we age as well. Um, And not just that osteoporosis or osteopenia. Uh, But beyond that, uh, the list for exercise, benefits of exercise is going to be endless. Um, improvements in cardiovascular, um, 
respiratory function, helping to reduce uh, cardiovascular disease uh, risk factors, um, such as high blood pressure, reducing those insulin needs for those who have diabetes, helping to improve glucose tolerance, um, and decreased mortality and morbidity. Uh, but one of the important things that I like to, to note when talking about benefits of exercise, um, that it's not only a primary prevention, um, but it's also going to be a secondary prevention. Um, so, you know, we have people who come in that already have kidney disease, are already on dialysis. So we're not going to prevent that initial occurrence, and we're not necessarily going to reverse that. Um, but we want to make sure that whether it's um, something with kidney disease or cardiovascular disease, we want to prevent another event from happening. Um, and we want to just help to build that overall strength. Um, exercise can also help decrease anxiety, depression, um, improve cognitive function, improve sleep quality, um, and ultimately risk of falls and injuries that are going to be associated with falls in our older, excuse me, older adult population, such as fractures. Uh, we want to avoid those things at all costs if we can. Um, and it's going to just help improve that physical function and independent living in older adults. Um, chronic kidney disease and cardiovascular disease are going to share some of these risk factors like high blood pressure, um, higher elevated blood sugar, uh, physical activity, high cholesterol. So regularly exercising is going to help these uh, risk factors um, short and long term. So we see when we have patients come in because uh, most of them do have higher blood pressure, um, whether or not they're on medications. But after you exercise, usually if we have them sit, cool down for a little bit, we should see that blood pressure come down a little bit from where it started when they came in. And then depending on how consistent they are with exercise, we should start to see a trend of that blood pressure start to just trend downward in general. Yeah, of, of you know, you work with patients and, you know, you've listed a bunch of uh, the things and the benefits that they have. Just curious, can you give us some examples of some of your, um, I would say maybe with some of your patients, what type of improvements you've seen with them uh, physically first and, and, and some of the drastic improvements and even the little more subtle ones? Absolutely. Um, so we have had total since I've been here working in our renal rehab, we have had five of our patients transplanted. Um, and these individuals started out with us on dialysis, so they were coming in two to three days a week, um, doing their dialysis three days a week um, or every day if they were on PD. And we had those those guys uh, transplanted, which is great. And then they were able to come back and exercise with us after they got a transplant. Um, so we were able to see a couple individuals that were on the list, uh, but the transplant team was maybe a little hesitant to give them a transplant, depending on where they were frailty wise, um, and they were able to get transplanted. Uh, we've, we had an individual who started out with us who was on dialysis, also a stroke patient, uh, used to use a gait belt to help pull him out of the seat, get him up, move him from machine to machine. Um, and he, one of the most consistent patients that we've had in our, in our lab, um, he is now able to move himself to the end of his chair and he just uses his good arm and pushes himself right up and can walk over to his machine by himself. Um, so it's definitely very, 
very rewarding to watch that. Yes. Um, I've also individuals that, um, you know, you get blood work done regularly that have diabetes and maybe their A1C was pretty high. I've had some individuals that were able to drastically bring that, that A1C down, um, reduce insulin needs. We've had a couple individuals that uh, were coming in and were checking blood sugar. They're like, I don't understand why my sugar is dropping so much after I'm done exercising. It's dropping more than it usually does. So we, as always, tell them to give their doctors a call and it's just because they need to reduce the amount of insulin that they're taking, which is great. That's awesome. Um, very specific things. And another part of that is I know when I, I crashed into dialysis, I didn't know I had an all of a sudden, boom, emergency room in the, um, in the hospital for a few weeks, in the nursing home. And, you know, when life turns upside down, it's really tough on the mind. And uh, just to get started and, and just to do all of that, um, can you say something a little bit about maybe even some of your patients, you know, mental health or, or how they feel afterwards, the confidence and all that stuff? So we definitely have almost everyone that comes in is pretty hesitant uh, when you think exercise or when the transplant team is talking to them about exercise. They automatically think I'm going to have them running on the treadmill and lifting as heavy as they can lift. Um, so I always like to call them first and ask if they're still interested. And once they come into our room and I really explain to them what we're going to be doing um, and they see other people that are kind of in the same boat as them and they can share experiences and um, they really really start to enjoy it. I would say most people, once they come in, they're like, this is nothing what I thought it was going to be. Uh, they really look forward to coming in two and three days a week and they build relationships in our lab, which is great. So, um, you know, they look forward to hearing about what their friend did over the weekend and uh, they feel more motivated to come in and exercise because they know not only myself and our grad students that work in the lab are depending on them to come in, but also um, the others in their class. They know that, you know, if they're not there for a few sessions, their friends are going to be concerned. Um, and sometimes they even exchange numbers. So they will reach out to them themselves and say, where have you been? We miss you. Why aren't you coming back? It's created its own ecosystem, right? It has. It definitely has. And it's, it's great to see how they do build those relationships. And we've had some of them coming in for a couple years. So they really have developed these friendships together, um, which made it a little hard during COVID because, uh, you know, closing for six months, we could only do so much. But that's why I, I did that virtual class that you were in. You're right. It's not the same, you know, when you have other people. Like even for me, I can easily just, you know, when it's virtual, I can just kind of slip away exactly. from things. That... <laughs> so we, uh, we tried to do a couple virtual classes as well for our participants that come in, um, you know, just so they could see each other, see each other's faces, talk, do a, some kind of exercise, even if it is over Zoom in the kitchen, but it's better than nothing. So during COVID, I remember, um, you know, being on dialysis and afraid of everything, especially when it just came out. Absolutely. Even though those virtual classes weren't the most, uh, my favorite, but what was cool about it is I actually get to see people. Right. I get to see people. I get to talk to people. And there's always, you know, a little bit of social 
like 10 minutes right before and right after, you know, so I think that was uh, tremendous. So absolutely. You mentioned that you have patients transplanted and coming back afterwards as well. Yes. Wow. And and that's, it's all voluntary. It's completely kind of up to them if they want to come back or. Yes. So normally the, our, our whole program is voluntary. You know, they can stay as long as they wish to at this moment. Um, but once they're cleared by the transplant team, sometimes I'll get another referral from them if they, from their, uh, the transplant team, if they don't come back on their own right away. But most of them, once they're cleared, they're calling me, texting me, emailing me. I'm ready to come back. When can I come in? Can I do my normal time? Oh man, I love it. The social aspect of it is huge. Um, and I think it definitely plays a big part in why most of them stay so consistent and do so well in our classes. No, I, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably pretty infectious environment when people are in there. So another question, like it's always a big question I feel on dialysis. It's, you know, the majority of folks get in there because of either diabetes, high blood pressure. And maybe a lot of them were like me, where I was, you know, extremely overweight. Uh, I was probably well over 300 pounds. And so always the big question is, um, what if you want to lose weight? How, you know, just there's so many questions surrounding it. I remember blaming, wanted to blame like the doctors and the nurses and saying, look, I'm in pain. I'm so big. My knees hurt. That hurts. How do you expect me to exercise? And, you know, what can I, I can't, I can't run. I can't do all the things you want me to do. So what's your take on that? That is definitely a very, uh, a question that I get a lot when people start, um, especially for those that are on the transplant list, you know, you have to meet certain criteria for them to transplant you. So it is important. Um, but finding a good balance between exercise and diet is going to be that best plan of action uh, when it comes to weight loss. It's not going to be solely one or the other. They both work well together. Um, the If you look at the American Heart Association, uh, which is where we use a lot of our, our exercise criteria, um, they're going to recommend 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise uh, per week for all adults. So you can kind of break that up however you would like. Um, typically, we see, you know, five days a week, 30 minutes. Um, but this is what they are recommending. Now, as I mentioned before, I have individuals coming in for two or three days a week, not five. Um, so this doesn't mean that more or less exercise is not going to be effective. You know, if you don't hit that 150 minutes, you know, you're not going to see any progress. Um, so especially when you're first starting out, um, any, anything that you're going to do is going to be better than nothing. Um, but if we're looking solely at exercise alone and weight loss, we would then want to go above that 150 minutes, uh, which is not going to be very feasible for most people. Um, you know, we don't want to be spending hours upon hours a day exercising. So that's why we recommend that taking both exercise and talking to a registered dietitian um, to find that that balance between the two is going to be the best plan for that. Um, so the bigger role that exercise is going to play in this situation is, yes, it's going to help you to lose weight, but it's also going to help you to keep that weight off once you do lose it, once you do find that that diet that's going to help you lose, lose uh, most of that weight. 
It's also going to help you build strength um, and help to improve those physiological outcomes that are going to help you keep yourself healthy ultimately. Yeah, you made a you made a really good point with um, I think something that stood out to me was saying that doing you know if you're not able to reach 150 minutes per week, doing something is better than nothing. Absolutely. Certainly, doing something is if you if you're bettering yourself, it's 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 you know it's it's always great. I started off. Uh, it reminds me of when you know I started this fitness journey was literally out of the uh, nursing home and in a wheelchair, muscles atrophied from laying down for so long. And it really began with maybe a 10 foot walk. Yeah. And it was like a 10 foot walk and back, 10 foot walk and back every day till it could become 15 or 20 feet and then, you know, longer and longer and longer. But I, you know, I, I, to, to a lot of patients out there that are listening to this, it, it was, you know, just like, again, just going back to your point, uh, you know, just doing something is better than not is I also just did the little walks. And then after I think I gained some momentum, I was like, hmm, maybe I could just try a little bit of a diet. Yes. The same approach was like, maybe if I substituted, you know, if I substituted instead of five sodas, for example, I'll do four and then I'll do three. And then if I take something out, okay, this week, no more fried food. Next week, maybe limit on something else that's bad and then add in something good. But um, I, I, I think that's like, that's really hitting at home, taking a little baby steps and just focusing on those things. So we really, I really try to make that point with, you know, going back to when I have people start and they think I'm going to have them running on the treadmill or lifting heavy weights. So that's why I try to, you know, when we have people come in, I try to break it down. We're not going to have you doing 150 minutes a week in two or three days because you'll have to be in the gym for a while. (laughs) Well, we're not going to do that to people. Um, My main goal is I just want to get you moving, get you in a routine and help to build some of that strength and stamina endurance. Um, So, you know, if we, your first day that you come in, you do 10 minutes you do 10 minutes that day. Next day you come in, maybe we'll shoot for 12 or 15 minutes. Next time you come in, and that's kind of how we build everything. And I like to let everyone know, you know, I'm not going to make you do anything that you don't want to do. So we have a bunch of different equipment. We can test some things out. You may not love all of it, but if there's something that you can tolerate and you don't necessarily like the other machine, we're going to stick with the other one. We're going to do something that you don't mind doing. Um, so it's all just based on how you're feeling for the day. There's going to be certain days where you can do a 10 minute walk. There's going to be other days where maybe it's only five or eight minutes and that's fine. So I like to just tell everyone, you know, something is better than nothing. Just do what you can and slowly improve from there. Now that's great. And, and I, I like that you're uh, talking about setting little goals, micro goals, 10 minutes today, maybe 12 minutes later. And it doesn't, seems so big, but I think if I went in there and you told me you have to do this for eventually like an hour, I think that would blow my mind. When I was 300 something pounds and the doctor's like, you need to be at 220. I was like, that's over a hundred pounds. Are you crazy? No way. I'm not doing it. Right. But when you're looking at it like a pound at a time, even a half pound at a time, it seems very feasible. Right. You know, a lot of us patients, we're, we're in different levels. You have some that are a little bit more, um, has more challenges than others due to whatever illnesses they may have. You have some where I've seen where they're, they, they've just started dialysis and they, they've known it was coming and they're a little bit stronger. 
you know, just, you know, what type of exercise, I'll, I'll give, I'll give you me as an example. I was 300 something pounds. Um, I was uh, hospitalized and, and in the nursing home for a few weeks where my muscles atrophy and physical activity was almost to me it was impossible. Like how, like what are good types of exercises for people that are uh, on the extreme on one side and maybe how far can they push it if they feel really good, but on dialysis on the other and being strong. So this kind of goes back to, uh, you know, it, it all depends to what, what they have access to. Uh, so I would say depending on what stage of kidney disease you're in, whether it's just end stage, on dialysis, transplant, any mode of aerobic or resistance training that you enjoy and that you feel that you can start out on, do it. Um, as long as you have medical clearance from the doctor, that's always something that we get from our patients just to make sure if there's, you know, anything else going on. Um, but aim it for that three to five days a week if you can. If you can only do two, that's fine too. Um, but anything, free weights, bands, machines, walking around your neighborhood, um, you know, you want to to make sure that it's something, again, that you're going to be able to tolerate. Um, so we don't want you to start running on the treadmill. If running's not your thing, try the button. Um, and it doesn't mean that less is, is not going to be effective for you. So just, just starting where you can, any activity that's going to be above sedentary behavior. So time spent sitting down, laying down is going to be an improvement. Um, so anytime where you're up walking around, um, is what you should aim for especially if you're unfamiliar with exercise. Um, you want to work your way up to those three to five days. You don't want to start out at five altogether. Um, and these are going to apply to everyone. Um, you know, everybody's got to start out a little slower. And then we have individuals who will start out at two days. After a couple months, if they're feeling ready to add that third day in, then we'll add that third day in. Um, but it, it really, I wouldn't say there's anything that you, you, can't do necessarily depending on your stage of kidney disease again as long as you have clearance from your doctor um, and you're being careful of certain things uh, you know you want to make sure you're careful if you have a fistula in your arm you want to make sure that you're you're you can still lift weights but you just want to be a little more sensitive to that area um, if you're on pd dialysis and you're carrying a little more fluid in your abdomen um, you want to be careful of that be mindful of that you can still exercise but as long as it's not causing you any pain um, and you just want to be careful of that catheter that you have as well. So being a little sensitive to that area. I, I, I'm hearing that you're saying, you know, again, going back to doing, you know, something better than nothing, walking around, doing things like that. How about like um, say everyday activities that we all kind of have to do, go to the, go to the grocery store. And, you know, does that, is that considered exercise? Would you say walking around in, in the, in the grocery store and Safeway and all that stuff? That is definitely going to count. Um, when we talk about, you know, gardening, walking around the grocery store, walking out to the mailbox, things that we do every day, we're more so going to classify that as physical activity. Um, so when we think of exercise, we have two different areas. We have physical activity and then we have exercise. So physical activity is going to be anything um, that get you up and moving around, such as walking around at the grocery store, gardening, things like that. 
where exercise is going to be more structured. I'm going to the gym twice a week and riding a bike for 20 minutes. So that's more considered our exercise is that structured physical activity. Both are going to be great, but when it comes to achieving certain health goals um, and using exercise as that primary or secondary prevention, as we talked about earlier, um, it's going to be important to still make sure you're doing that physical activity, but also make sure that you have that structured exercise routine um, in addition to the things you're doing around the day. Can you give us, um, so not everybody has access to gyms, not everybody has access to equipment. Can you give us some examples of what we can do to exercise at home without any equipment? I became very familiar with this during COVID times. Um, and a lot of my patients that I had virtual calls with and we would do some exercise didn't have any equipment at home. I myself really didn't have any equipment at home either. Um, so one thing we didn't necessarily do over Zoom, but walking. Walking is one of the best things that you can do because you can do it anywhere. You can do it walking around your living room in a circle for 15 minutes you can do it walking around your neighborhood, walking up and down your driveway. You can do it anywhere and you do not need anything but yourself. Um, so walking is going to be a great exercise that you can do if you don't have access to a gym. Um, also, little things you can do in your house um, carefully, but going up and down the steps. You know, maybe you just go up the steps one time and that's going to be a little more of a challenging exercise. So you want to take your time. But practicing doing that, you don't necessarily have to run up and down the steps, um, but, you know, just getting yourself moving and warmed up. I did certain things, uh, just simple bicep curls. If I didn't have any weights or a resistance band, I would tell my patients to grab two cans of beans out of the pantry. Bicep curl with the beans. <laughs> um, same thing, you know, shoulder press, use a can of beans. Use something around your house that you can use. Um, sit to stands are a very popular exercise that I add in, even when we're in the gym and we have equipment in the gym, I still have people do sit to stands. It's exactly how it sounds. Start out seated in your chair, stand up, sit down. You can do that, you know, as many times as you need, taking a break in between, holding a weight, holding a water jug to add some extra resistance if you need to. So there's definitely lots of things you can do you don't have to have a gym gotcha going back now that you're talking about exercise especially at home and uh you talked about 150 minutes a week earlier yes so we, we talked about what what we're kind of looking for but in each exercise session say i'm doing the can of beans what what do you recommend like should i be doing that just lifting that a few times and like how, how long does those exercises need to be? Does it have to be a certain set, a minimum amount of time? So when we're talking about the, uh, when you're looking at American Heart Association and their guidelines for 150 minutes per week of moderate exercise, they're more so going to talk about that aerobic exercise, cardiovascular exercise. So walking, biking, swimming, um, anything that's going to get your heart rate up. Um, when we're talking about more of that resistance or weight training, so bicep curls with soup cans, uh, shoulder press with soup cans, sit to stands in your chair. Um, you don't necessarily need to do sit to stands in a chair for 30 minutes. We're more so going to look at those sets and reps. So we'll try for maybe the first day, 
try to do 10 sit to stands, 10 bicep curls, and 10 shoulder presses. Taking a break in between, going at your own pace, something that's comfortable for you. And then maybe the next day when you go to do it again, you'll do two sets of 10 of the sit to stand, two sets of 10 of the bicep curl, two sets of 10 of the shoulder press, and kind of progress yourself that way. Um, when we're doing resistance training, unless it's a circuit style exercise, we're more so going to look for those sets and reps rather than time. Um, so, you know, it might take you only 10 or 15 minutes to finish that sit to stand, bicep curl, shoulder press um, routine that you're doing, and that's okay. Um, that's going to be more so the resistance training side of the exercise. So we aim for that to be about two to three days a week. And we do this in addition to the, uh, the aerobic exercises, or do we, like, if we're doing the strength, then we will do our aerobics the next day, or should we do it same day? Or Ideally, this would be in addition to the aerobic exercise. Um, when you're first starting out, maybe breaking it up and doing, let's say you're going to do a 15-minute walk on Monday, maybe trying to do that resistance training on Tuesday, just to till your body is used to doing that exercise. Um, we have some individuals that come into our room, just for example, that they'll come in Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Typically each session I say is about an hour, including check-in and check-out. We'll have them aim anywhere between 30 to 40 minutes of that cardiovascular aerobic exercise. And then maybe two of those three days, they'll do some weights after they're done with the aerobic training. Um, so eventually, once your body gets more acclimated to exercise, you could do it on the same day. But starting out, it's not a bad idea to, to do it on different days. When we're walking or riding the bike, is there a minimum time we should do that? Or is it, you know, can we break it up throughout the day, like two minutes here, five minutes there? I'm just curious. So that is going to be wherever you can start. I would say, depending on if you're walking, biking, whatever it is, whatever the mode of exercise is that you're doing, go out the first time, see how far you can go. If that's 10 minutes, great. Next time, kind of how we were talking earlier, um, next time, maybe try and aim for 12 or 15 minutes um, and slowly progress yourself that way. We've also had people, you know, maybe they just have a really busy schedule and even, you know, they can do 20 or 30 minutes of exercise, but they might not have the time all at once. Try and break it up into bouts. Do a 10-minute walk in the morning, 10-minute walk after your lunch, 10-minute walk before or after your dinner. So you still hit that 30-minute mark. You just broke it up uh, into different parts of the day that worked better for you. Um, and then, you know, that that's also a good way for you to build up that endurance if you can't do 30 minutes all at once, try and do two 10-minute bouts throughout the day. And then slowly, you know, increase that first bout to closer to 15, closer to 20 minutes, and increase it that way. Baby steps again. Everything exactly. is baby steps. Everything. All right. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that you had, <clears throat> excuse me, you had some clients or uh, that you would have them come in, they would do their aerobic exercise first and then, and then do strength. Is there a particular order? Does that matter? It doesn't necessarily matter. Um, some people just prefer to do their their uh, cardio first, get it out of the way. That's a bad part. 
to get us all tired. Right. <laughs> More people, when they come in, they're like, when can I use those machines? Um, so they tend to gravitate more towards the, the cardio equipment first. Um, but I also like to use it more as a warm up. So if they are going to do their strength training first, that is totally fine. Uh, but you want to make sure you're doing some kind of warm up, whether it's stretching for five to 10 minutes, um, riding a recumbent bike that we have in there for a couple minutes just to get the body warmed up because we don't want you to walk into the gym, get right on the chest press and start going. Um, that's going to, there. that's how injuries happen. Uh, so we want to avoid those injuries by doing some kind of warm up before all exercise and also some kind of cool down. Um, so, you know, if someone is coming in and getting on the treadmill first, that's great. I usually have them walk at a slower speed for about three to five minutes to get their body warmed up, slowly bring that heart rate and blood pressure up, and then they can get into the bulk of their, their exercise. We don't want them just jumping on the treadmill and going for it right away. Um, so warm up and cool down is going to be very important, but it doesn't matter which which exercise you're going to do first. It's really just personal preference. Yeah, the, the warm up, I, I can't stress that enough. I remember when I first started just not warming up, just get her right into things. Um, and then getting injured and getting put out for another two or three weeks and then not wanting to start back exactly. because of that timeout. Um, exactly. But, you know, getting into all that, so we got the strength and, and we, we kind of, it sounds like you're saying we limit ourselves to what we can do, what we can tolerate, and then just try to push that uh, that line as, as much as we can as, as far as how much we can tolerate, right? Now, as far as... Um, so with, with that being said, the, for a person that is, um, say, a little bit more fit while on dialysis or uh, battling kidney disease, is there any detriment or is there anything against going, having vigorous exercise, you know, going really hard? Moderate intensity is usually what's going to be recommended for individuals who have chronic kidney disease due to that low initial functional capacity as a result of the disease. It doesn't necessarily mean that vigorous exercise cannot be done, but this is going to be more specific to the individual. Um, and as always, I always recommend checking with your doctor to make sure there's not any limitations that they want you to follow. There's also clinical exercise physiologists, hopefully in your area, that are trained to work with individuals with chronic diseases, not only kidney disease. Not only do they know what exercises to prescribe, but they also know what contraindications to be on the lookout for um, and what you should not be doing. So we know that exercise is important, um, but we want to make sure that it's being done safely and effectively. Um, but I would say that vigorous exercise is not out of the question. It's really just going to depend on that individual. And as long as they check with their doctor and they're progressing themselves to that vigorous intensity appropriately um, and safely. Yeah, I got in a lot of trouble for trying to lift weights with my fistula on. I, I didn't know what I was doing. And the doctor was, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. He's like, no, you got a fistula. Do not, you know, and that. You got to be very careful with the fistula. Um, we do have individuals that come in that do some resistance training. But when it comes to doing upper body, we go very light on the weight. We still want you to do some 
and stuff, but we go a lot later on the weight and we want to be extra careful of that fistula. You'd mentioned earlier regarding the strength training to do that at least two to three days per week. Uh, is there any particular reason? Can we do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and just get it over with? Is, is, is the rest period, is that important at all? I mean, can I? Rest period is important. So, uh, you know, ideally we would like, we have individuals who come in Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday. This is going to depend on not only their dialysis schedule, but we also want you to have a little bit of a rest in between, again, to avoid that injury. Um, and we want you to give your body a rest before jumping right back into it. Doesn't mean that you can't do it. You know, if you're only available Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's fine. Especially when you're starting out, you might just want to take it a little easier um, and make sure that you're listening to your body. So, you know, if you've already exercised Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday is that third day for you that week and you're feeling really tired, either skip it for that week or just listen to your body. Take it easy that day. You know, no need to go all out every single exercise session. Uh, you definitely want to take it easy. But I would say, especially if you're going back to back like that, those warm ups and cool downs are going to be very important. Um, and just listening to your body, taking it day by day and taking a rest if you need to. Yeah, I think that's a very important message, you know, listening to your body. I'm certainly the one that always wanted to go gung-ho and that never always worked out. <laughs> and just going, I'm going, you know, zero to 100 miles an hour, let's do it. And then afterwards, I don't want to do it for, you know, a week. Those rest days are, are important. One thing that we always hear when people come in is, you always hear people say, no pain, no gain. And as a, as a clinical exercise physiologist, I hate that saying. Um, I tell everyone that comes through our room that says no pain, no gain, I never, ever want you to feel pain. Even when you're exercising at your peak um, and you're coming into our room and you're feeling good and you've been coming in for months, I never, ever want you to feel pain. So if something is causing you pain, I can probably come up with a modification for you. So let me know because you never want to feel pain. You always want to listen to your body and be careful. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's some uh, very good advice. I know there's a lot of uh, patients that I talk to where they want to get better now. Right. And they want, they want to lose the weight now and they right. want to do everything now. And uh, I've just seen a lot of people go through extremes just to try to get there, but then they end up burning out. Exactly. Just got to take it day by day, listen to your body and be patient. The more consistent you are, you know, people do want that, that quick fix. They want to be, you know, at their peak right away, three sessions in. So that's not going to happen for anyone. Uh, so just you want to be careful and you'll start to notice little things. You know, you might not see things right away, but I've had people come in that are like, you know what? I didn't even notice, but last year I was putting Christmas decorations out front of my house and I had to sit down four different times when I was putting the decorations out. This year, I didn't even realize it until I went in to eat lunch. I didn't sit down one time. I was able to put all my decorations out without taking a break. So little things like that will start to, you'll start to be able to notice those the more consistent you are. Yeah, I think those are the most rewarding times to see people actually figure, like actually see that for themselves for the first time. Um, my father started exercise program after his strokes and open heart surgery and just being able to do like what you said, the sit stand without holding the table or anything like that was like an amazing thing. He was just bragging to everybody, every party we took him to, 
look what I could do. That's <laughs> awesome. That's up awesome. And down the thing. Um, now we've talked about exercise. We talked about the, uh, you know, what we could do, how we should do it, how often we should do it, how long we should do it. Uh, but I think more importantly than, than, than um, all of that is, is the real big thing is the motivation. How do we get people motivated, especially with dialysis or with kidney failure, you're fatigued, you're tired. And when a lot of people see, see a mountain that they have to climb 100 pounds, 200 pounds before they can do it, you know, maybe that five minute walk is going to be discouraging just looking at that big mountain. So um, do you have any advice on that of how to get started, what the mindset is and, you know, shed some light on it, please. So my biggest recommendation would be start off small, find something that interests you when it's going to come to exercise. Um, as I mentioned before, not everyone loves to exercise, especially when, you know, they're told that they have to do it and they're not really sure what to do. They're not into exercising. Um, just start off small, find something that you like, whether it's, you know, walking in your neighborhood with a group, see if there's different resources in your community where you can join a walking group um, or have people in your family or friends or neighbors or someone walk around with you, um, because that's definitely going to give you a little more motivation um, because there's others depending on you to show up. Um, you know, they're waiting outside for you to, to come outside and walk with them. Um, so I would say, you know, just anything that's going to interest you, even a little bit. Um, luckily, as I mentioned, you know, that fatigue is probably one of the biggest things when it comes to staying motivated for exercise. Uh, but luckily exercise is going to help to reduce some of that fatigue, the more that you do it, um, and help you feel a little more energized. So, uh, setting small goals for yourself, short-term, long-term goals, it can be as small of a goal and as big as a goal as you want it to be. Um, but I think definitely just looking at it, you know, as you mentioned, some people look at this giant mountain that they have to climb and they're super overwhelmed and they don't know where to start. Start off with one week. You know, I'm going to walk for 30 minutes next week. Doesn't matter if that's 30 minutes in one day or, you know, 10 minutes, three different days. But that's my first goal. I'm going to start there. Then you move on to the next week. Set another smaller goal for yourself. Um, so, you know, anything you can do to keep yourself motivated, whether it's community groups or setting those small or large goals for yourself would be a good place to start. That's awesome. I, I um, you know, again, it's always going back to breaking things down. Very little the bite-sized pieces. It reminds me of the saying about how do you eat an elephant, you know, one bite at a time. And that's exactly what, what you've been describing. Um, in my personal experience, I think what kind of motivated me, maybe not everybody, um, and maybe you do this with your clients too, is, is tracking. Um, I had a Fitbit and it was, I played a little game with myself. If I did 3,000 steps, I remember specifically in dialysis and it's very difficult to walk, it was 3,000 steps. It wasn't much, but it was 3,000 steps, yes. And the game I was playing was um, I had to do better next week than I did this week. So if 3,000 was my max, next week had to be at least 3,001. And so, you know, it ended up where, you know, you'll start getting 8,000, 9,000, 10,000. So uh, do, do you track uh, some of the uh, 
some of the physical aspects of your uh, patients, meaning like how much they live, how long they walked for, so that we could you could revisit those ones. Yes, we normally we don't track steps when they come in, um, but steps are a great thing to kind of keep yourself motivated and challenge yourself, just as you said you were. That's an awesome, awesome idea. Um, I definitely recommend that to some of our patients that come in if they do have a watch or a little pedometer. Um, but what we track is I track how long they're on the machine for. Um, I also look at their heart rate just to see, you know, what their what their intensity is on there. Um, I also track what speed they're at or what uh, resistance they're at if they're on a recumbent or upright bike. So that way, if I notice that after, you know, four weeks, we've been at level two for a while, I might suggest, hey, how about the last five minutes of your bike ride today? Let's bump up to level three and see how that feels. If it feels okay, I'm like, okay, we're, we're going to try to do half our time next time at level three. Um, so that way I can kind of track it that way. Um, same thing for when they're lifting weights. I'll track their, their sets and reps. I'll track what their weight is on the machine. So that way I can kind of keep an eye on it too. And if we're still at 10 pounds on the chest press for a couple of weeks, I'm like, all right, it's time to try 15. We're only going to do one set, but we're going to try 15. Um, so I definitely like to do that just so um, you're still, they're still challenging themselves. They're still improving a little more. Um, a lot of times they'll come in and they don't think that they can do what they can actually do. Um, so I like to give you that little extra push. And that also keeps you motivated and makes you feel good. Like, I never thought I could chest press, you know, 20 pounds. That's awesome. So um, I, I do keep track of all that when they come in. That's wonderful because a lot of times I remember, um, even for myself, not noticing the changes, not seeing the strength and not seeing, yeah, just those physical changes uh, physically on my body and then also the strength increase. You don't notice these things because as yourself, you see yourself every day, you're doing this every day, but it's good to have a different set of eyes just like yourself just to look and go, hey, you weren't able to do this and soon before they know it, they're doing a whole lot. I had one patient who came in and started out coming in with a cane. Um, Gate was a little unsteady. She now, when I... When I had her first coming in, she was very, very hesitant. Now she does 35, 40 minutes between the recumbent bike, the new step. I even have her on our leg press machine. And she, even the first time she did it, she was like, I, first day that I came in, I looked at that machine and was like, that is one I will never touch. And now she does it every day that she comes in. So it's awesome for me to see it because I see it more often than you see it in yourself. But when someone sees themselves improving, that's very rewarding. Yeah, I bet. I, that, that, that's so cool to be able to be a part of that for you, especially. Yes. Before we do start doing all this exercise and the motivation and stuff like that, you mentioned that we should go talk to our doctor to see what our limitations are. Is there anything specific that you have that maybe we can ask our doctors? Do, do we need to check anything, get any tests, bone density, or... Does anything like blood work that we should look at that, and, you know, what, what do we ask for? So uh, not necessarily, um, but it's always good to, you know, you don't necessarily need to get a bone density test. Um, it's always good to be aware of any osteoporosis or osteopenia um, so that you can be a little more careful during your resistance exercises. 
Um, but I know for our lab and most other places, it's not necessarily required. Um, most people would think the opposite, but actually for osteoporosis and osteopenia, uh, weight-bearing exercises are great for both of those. Um, you definitely still want to be careful and do what you can, um, but it's not necessarily if we get back a bone density test, we're going to say no exercise for you. Um, so it's always good to double check with your doctor um, so that they're aware that you're exercising and they can give you anything to avoid. Um, this is going to depend all on your stage of kidney disease. Um, so as we mentioned before, energy levels are going to be pretty low, especially when having a chronic disease. Um, so trying to do those bouts. Um, but if you're on hemodialysis, um, you know, you're feeling super fatigued, low blood pressure following dialysis might be best that day to give yourself a rest. Try again that next day on your off dialysis day um, and give that dialysis day your, your rest day. That's your rest day. Um, and then, as I mentioned, with PD dialysis, peritoneal, if you have extra fluid in your abdomen after a treatment, um, you can still exercise, but just be careful. Um, any pain or discomfort, you're going to want to discontinue exercise until that next treatment when your fluid is drained um, and listening to your body. Uh, for transplant individuals, if you're experiencing any kind of rejection following the transplant, um, you can still exercise, but you might just want to reduce that exercise a little bit depending on how you're feeling that day. Um, but I wouldn't say there's anything necessarily that you would other than a medical clearance form that you would need to get from your doctor, more so just seeing if there's anything that they do not want you to do um, due to the kidney disease. And as I mentioned before, if you're, if you're working with um, a trained individual or a clinical exercise physiologist, they are trained to work with individuals with kidney disease and other chronic diseases, so they will know what things to kind of avoid and what things to look out for, you know, if you're unsure of what to avoid. Now, are there, um, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, working with maybe a professional like a trainer. So do most trainers out there, would they, would they know how to deal with our condition or typically do we have to find a specialized trainer? Typically, I would think finding a specialized, um, I know, you know, and not speaking for all, um, but I don't know that personal trainers, if they have the, the, uh, experience working with individuals with kidney disease. Some of them may, um, but I would say finding that that trained professional that, uh, you know, an exercise physiologist who, who went to school for that or a clinical exercise physiologist um, that are trained to work with those individuals who have kidney disease. You know, it, it sounds like you covered a whole lot. Um, you know, I really wish that I was able to listen to this before I got started with everything. Um, I think it's such a great resource uh, to listen to all of this, and it was it's, it's reassuring. Um, just maybe I didn't search for it before, and I just did all sorts of things, got in trouble so many times. But you know, thank you, thank you for doing that, and and, and thank you for doing this. Um, you know, I, it's do you have anything else to add? I, I I think you covered a whole lot. I know I was going to say I threw a lot of information at you and everyone who's listening. Um, but I would say if you are listening, biggest takeaway is to just start where you can do something. Um, even if it's 10 minutes a day, 
just try to do something. You know, you might surprise yourself and you might be able to do more than you think you can do. Um, and you also might find that you eventually enjoy exercise, uh, even if you are hesitant in the beginning. But, but starting somewhere, just anything that you can do uh, to get yourself motivated and, and just keep going. I've seen people progress more than more than you would think. Yeah, I, I want to just add that, uh, you know, with being starting in dialysis and being able to uh, get the proper help and, and training and everything. It was a very dark time when I started, but because of exercise, it just bled into everything else in my life. It, my mental life, my physical life, my relationships. Uh, it, it gives a whole completely different mindset. And, and, and again, I can never uh, emphasize uh, as much as I can. I, I want to emphasize that I've never been stronger physically, mentally, everything. And life is just great. And it all starts with just a walk, a five-minute walk, something like that. So everybody that's listening, you get, you know, all the information that you need through this. Um, and I'm sure there's, there's a lot more to it. And, and so thank you so much, Brittany. Uh, this, this has been great. Yes, thank you. It was great talking to you and hearing your story. And that's, I'm glad to hear how well you're doing right now. That's awesome. we got to work out together sometime. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right. We end each episode giving a shout out to a kidney patient who's celebrating a major milestone. In 2021, Travis from Texas found out that his kidneys were failing and that he would need a transplant. His family friend Macy stepped up to offer the gift of life and in January 2022, donated her kidney to him. This month, they are both celebrating one year kidney strong. Congratulations, Travis and Macy. Thank you for listening. Make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also email us directly with your comments and suggestions at nkfpodcast at kidney.org. We hope you will join us next time. And from all of us at NKF, we wish you good health.